0: Grace and mercy were two of the words that were impacting me this week as I was prepping for this sermon. I don't know about you guys, but I needed God's grace and mercy this last week, just in everything, in every, every area in my life. Um, I know that I was I was in need of God's goodness and grace in my life, and he gave to me abundantly. And I know, I know that the Lord will speak through what he's done in me this week, my faults, failures, and my trusting in him for his goodness and mercy. Let me ask you a question this morning, church. Have you ever done something in your life that you were so ashamed of? Have you ever been burdened with the guilt overcame you so much that you couldn't sleep. You were burdened with the guilt of something you've done and you couldn't sleep, you couldn't eat. It was in your mind always. And you sunk into a depression. Anxiety arose. Have you ever said, God, there is no way that you can forgive me? God, you don't know what it is that I have done because if you did, there's no mercy for me. We ask the question, can I ever be made new? Can I ever be restored? See, Psalm 51 was for David, written by David, but Psalm 51 is for you and me this morning. I want to read Psalm 51 and its whole passage and then we're going to break that down together and talk through what it looks like for us to ask those questions, to be like David, have sin and who do we turn to? Psalm 51 this morning. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. In the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear the joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out my, transgra- my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and not take away your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from the blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or else I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifice and burnt offering and whole burnt offerings. Then the bulls will be offered on your altar. Father, I come before your throne this morning as we seek to unpack Psalm 51 and what that means for, you, for us. As we serve a mighty king who offers mercy and forgiveness, I pray for those of us in here that are feeling the weight of our sin. I pray for those of us who are looking for something new, Jesus. I pray that you will make yourself known, Spirit. That your eyes will, that you would open the eyes of the blind, and that new hearts will be made, Spirit. That new lives will be made. I pray for those of us who who are believers and yet we're struggling with a, a wrong identity of who we are. I pray that Psalm fifty one will help us clearly see. Truly who we are in light of your goodness and mercy. Pray that we walk out of here loving you, Jesus, more than we could ever love you. And thank you for the grace that you have given us that we don't deserve, and yet you give freely. So we ask this in your name, Jesus. Be with me as I preach your word. Amen. This uh, morning, my main idea is pretty simple if you're taking notes. My main idea is because God is merciful... We have forgiveness for our sin when we come in repentance and faith. So very simple. I'm going to repeat it one more time for my slow riders. (laughs) Because God is merciful, we have forgiveness for our sin when we come in repentance and faith. FYI, by the way, when I say slow riders, uh, someone here, Ellie Sanchez, who I love and miss, who's in Puerto Rico now, she once told me when I was out out there uh, about two weeks ago now, um, and she told me, she's like, you're too fast when you do your main point, so please slow it down. So if you're watching, Ellie, this is for you. So if you are feeling that way this morning, the good news for you today is that you don't have to be the same person you were. If you're feeling the weight of sin and you're feeling the weight of condemnation, if you're feeling like, man, God, where is hope? The good news for you is God is able to make you new. And clean you like you never knew before. That's what I want you to walk away with today. See, David breaks this in two specific ways. Psalm 51 verses 1 through 6. He's going and going to impact mercy and repentance. So verses 1 through 6. He's going to impact what is mercy and what is repentance. Psalm 51 7 through 19 is a response in faith. In God's grace. So he broke. He breaks it in two different ways. And we're going to do the same way. We're going to break that in the same way. We're going to see one. So if you're taking notes, our sub point is one, our plea for mercy. Second, our need for repentance. And then the application will follow. What does it mean to have faith in God? In our restoration and renewal. God's mercy to us. And what does it mean to have right sacrifice? Right sacrifice that the Lord loves. So let's begin Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Now keep in mind Psalm fifty-one is a is a result of what we just heard in Second Samuel. Second Samuel again, we read David sins greatly, not only against Uriah but he against Bathsheba, but ultimately against the Lord. And so, Psalm fifty-one, we have David crying out to the Lord after Nathan being able to expose what he's done. He's Left with the guilt and the condemnation. Who does David run to? Who does he go to? The only one that he can go to is the one that offers the keys to his forgiveness. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. David knows mercy is not found anywhere else. Now, what's interesting here, he keeps using the word according, right? He uses it twice here. According to your steadfast love and according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Why does David even think he can find mercy for such a grievous sin? Well, because David understands the character of God. Because David is very well, has a very well understanding of the mercies and grace of God. It's why he uses according. Because it's based on something that David can refer back to. It's the character of God. Exodus chapter 34 verse 6 says this about God. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. See, David knew, I serve a God who is slow to anger, who's merciful and gracious, and He's abundant, and he has abundant steadfast love and faithfulness. It's why I can go to the throne of God and plead my case because I got a God who's able to understand. According to his love, he calls out, I know you can do this, God. I know that you're the one that's able to make me clean. So I run to the throne. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. He uses the word here, blot out my transgression. The word blot here means to wipe or destroy. See, it wasn't just enough for David to be like saying, hey, Lord, forgive me of my sin. He's like, Lord, I want you to obliviate my sin. I want you to take it from the east, cast it to the west. Lord, I want to be so cleansed in your, in your eyes that my sin is utterly destroyed no barrier no barrier is against you and me now wash me he says wash me thoroughly for my iniquities now this is referring back to Exodus 19:10 where this will be a ceremonial cleaning and so David's referring to a cleaning that would have him being able to approach the throne of God. So David is saying, cleanse me in such a way that I can approach your throne and that you will see me and give me forgiveness. Wiping out my sin. For I know my transgression is ever before me. Against you only have I sinned. Now we're focusing on repentance. Repentance. We're in we're in verse, we're in verse uh, three, and he's going to focus a little bit on his repentance now. He understands something that we need to understand. He says, "For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment." David doesn't deny or hide his sin like he did early in 2 Samuel. Early in 2 Samuel, he hid the fact that he laid with Bathsheba. Here, though, in Psalm 51, he, it's a different person. He's, he's, he's meeting with the eternal king. And his heart is about to be changed. And so he recognizes his transgressions and knows against you I have only sinned. Now, I want to be very, very clear because I've had different people ask me specifically about this verse when he says, Against you and you only have I sinned. Did he not sin against Bathsheba? Did he not sin against Uriah? Did he not sin against God's people? Wasn't he not the king? As a king, he was supposed to be in battle, he wasn't supposed to be in the back taking a pace on the roof. No. He did sin against all those people I just mentioned. And he is accountable. To ask forgiveness for those who have he's offended. David does not ignore that. Nor does the Bible teach that when we sin, together, sin against others, we're not called to make things right. Because that's not what is being taught here. Rather, what we're seeing here is ultimately David has an understanding that it is God that holds the key to his forgiveness it is God ultimately that holds us accountable God is holy God is ultimately the one who judges us all that we do and therefore he is blameless in his judgment therefore he goes to him and says I know you have the keys to send me here but I want to be with you in your presence So I want to make that very clear. God is able and justified in his words in his judgment. Verse 5, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. We were born sinners from the beginning. This is not, this is a statement that tells us here of our own kind of where we're at in life we were all born sinners here he says that clearly I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me let me tell you something as a father of three kids I can tell you I didn't teach my kids how to sin they did that on their own When I saw my son hit his younger brother when he was like one, I was like, that was something naturally that was in him, not something I gave him. We were all naturally prone to wander or naturally prone to do what we want to do and not follow the ways that God has called us to. We're naturally disobedient people. Happened in our mother's womb. good news is that God does something about that, which we'll talk about. It's very natural to do what is right in our own sight. We always think that our way is better. God, I know you might want this for me, but I I can't clearly see what it is you're doing, so I'm kind of going to do my own thing here, Lord. Look at your week. Look at your week. How many times have you said those very things said, Lord, I... I'm going to choose to do what I want to do rather than what it is that you're asking me to do. You don't have to teach us how to sin. It's in our DNA. We need mercy, and mercy and grace begins first when we agree with God about our state and turning to him in repentance. There is no forgiveness of sin without the recognition that we need a Savior to save us from. See, for some of us, agreeing with God and repentance is the hardest part of God's mercy for us. For some of us, it's easy, like David, to make an excuse or to hide our sin because... If we sit and confess and honest to God about our failures, it makes us vulnerable. It makes us feel weak and dependable. And that's not how we ultimately want to feel sometimes. We want to feel like we're in control. Like, I know what I'm doing with my life. Let me give you a rude awakening, church friends. You are made to be made dependable. You were made to go to the gas station and get your holy gas that God provides. You weren't made to think to do it on your own. It's why you constantly fall. It's a reminder you are in need of God's mercy and grace. God calls us to repent, He calls us to repent. Verse 6, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. What does it mean that God teaches wisdom in the secret heart? It's clear, very simple. It means that God is the one who reveals our state. Let me tell you something about when I, when I became to Christ, I didn't know about my state until God revealed it to me. I didn't know that I was a sinner in need of God's goodness and grace in my life and that I had this sin in my life that I couldn't see God. I couldn't be where God was. And so Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, revealed to me my need for a savior. teaching, God teaching us wisdom in the secret heart. It means that he reveals our state. It is God who reveals the truth about who we are. We don't repent because we want to. We repent because he has revealed inward sickness in us. And we go to the one who makes that sickness and blots it and wipes it out so that we can be restored a new heart In us. That's why David now starts to switch from mercy, repentance, to restoration. He's focusing now in this part, in verse 7, he's focusing on God, all right, I understand your mercy, I understand your goodness, I repent, I believe and trust in your goodness and in your mercy. I know who I am, I acknowledge my sin to you. But now I need restoration. It's not just those things. I need to be restored in such a way that I can walk out of this temple and know that I and God are are good. Let's look at how David looks for restoration. And helps us see that in verse 7. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me. And I should be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. See, David trusts that God will cleanse him. David helps us see the importance of faith here. Look at how he puts it in verse 7. I shall be clean. David's faith is a faith of assurance. He knows that when God and His character are put to the test, He will fulfill the very things about who He is. So David's like, "I know You will cleanse me." And he answer, he mentions a a, a certain thing it's, um, a plant called hyssop. I didn't know what this was, so I googled it. And I kind of saw a photo of it, of what it was. but it was a ceremonial a ceremonial plant. It has some like hairy leaves on it. It's a weird looking plant. But it was used for a way of sprinkling to be clean, to a, go to the altar, to be able to go to God blamelessly. And so David here is using that same type of image. As he approaches God, he says, "Lord, I shall be clean, cleanse me with this plant. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow." Few years ago, years years ago, I went on a retreat. It was snowy. It was my favorite time of the year. And I remember grabbing snow and I was like looking at its perfection. And I'm not talking about Chicago snow, because Chicago snow is dirty. I'm talking about, like, countryside snow. And I grabbed it, and I just remember being in awe of the, the snow. But then, I, like, when the sun hit it, it was like this kind of, like, sparkling type of experience. And I, and I remember saying, man, is this what David is talking about when he says, Make me, wash me clean, and I shall be whiter than snow. I'm looking at this snow. Uh, How can you get whiter than this? But I was reminded of God's goodness, of of the reality that God, when he forgives you and he blots out your transgressions, like, it's whiter than that. It's something that I can't understand. The concept to me is limited, but not to God. And that's what David is saying here. He says, cast, created me, I'm sorry, um, verse 8. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Blot out my iniquities. David shows us something here. Notice he says, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Did you know this morning God's act of mercy is to break our bones? You might think like, whoa, what do you mean? See, David's weight of his sin fell as his bones were broken, which led him to the king who was able to offer him mercy and forgiveness. Have anyone here experienced broken bones? Raise your hands. Anyone here experienced some broken bones? All right. See some here? Got my own right here. I fell out of a window when I was uh, about like nine years old. My brother pushed me out. (laughs) He knows what he did. (laughs) But I love him. It's not pleasant. No one ever said, oh, man, I, I love getting my bones broken, God. Can I get another one? No, but see, broken bones, when we sit there and ignore it, it doesn't go away. It's the same way God's rebuke is. When we sit in our sin and we don't repent and trust in the mercies of God, we will feel the weight of our sins and it will feel like broken bones. It will feel like depression. It will feel as if there's no remedy until we turn to the one who offers that to us. God's grace is to cause us things that are not pleasant for the purpose of his grace to be accomplished in your life and in my life. It's not for us to sit in that, right? I want us to know that there's a difference between broken bones that call us to be going to the throne and receive his goodness and mercy. But it's not to keep us there. God wants to restore us to experience him the way David just says. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I'm sorry, verse 8. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. See, he doesn't just want to stay there. He wants to come back to a time where he remembers the joy and the gladness of his salvation. Therefore, that's where we want to be. We, when our bones are broken, when we are feeling the weight of sin, go to the king who makes all things new. And he will restore our joy. He will restore our faith. Verse 9, hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, a renewal, a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and not take your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Verse 10, he says, create in me a clean heart, O God. How how does God do that? How does God create a clean heart? I know for us this morning, we go to the one who made it possible. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 says this. This is the new covenant. That God establishes for his people. This is the reality of our Savior Jesus Christ. I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. And from all your idols. I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart. A what? A new heart and a new spirit. I will put in within you. Interesting, David says, Lord, not only creating me a, a new heart, but also, Lord, do not cast away the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, from me. See, there's debates in Scripture. Different theologians are, are wondering what David is saying here. But we know that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit can leave a person. We've seen that in King Saul. The new covenant here says, not only would I give you a new heart, but I will give you a spirit that I will put within you, a spirit that will never leave you, a spirit that will always be there, your advocate, your helper. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. I'm gonna come back to this because I, I'm going to finish with this because I, there's more to this than just us reading it. I wanna unpack that a little bit, but I wanna keep going into text. Verses 10 and 11, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of a salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. He says here, willing spirit. What, is, what does that mean? What does it mean to be what David says, uphold me with a willing spirit, right? David is asking, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Well, uphold, a, a willing spirit here is defined as a teaching obedience. See, it's not enough for David to want to be restored, but David wants to live in obedience to God's grace. A willing spirit here is defined as God, teach me to what it means to be obedient to your word. See, I need us to understand something here, church. It's not enough about wanting for us to be restored. It's what we do when we have that restoration. How do we walk in Christ in such a way that is living a life that is worthy of the grace that he's given us and called us to? See, there's a difference between grace and cheap grace. There's grace that keeps us running to him, and when we fall, we are restored, and he picks us up, and we keep going in that same direction. And then there's cheap grace, the grace to things that I can keep on doing what I want to do and still receive that same abundant grace. That doesn't work. Some of us here are experiencing the loss of the joy of our salvations because we're in that current situation right now. We're in the current situation where we are continually in habitual sin and yet still asking God to forgive us. We have forgotten what Romans says, that if we have been dead to sin, how can we keep walking in it? We got to be careful about the lies that we sometimes believe about the goodness and the mercies of God. Cheap grace will kill us. Some of us here are experiencing the loss of joy because we have a wrongful understanding of God. We're so under the weight of sin. We're so under the weight of condemnation that we're forgetting Romans 8, one. There is no condemnation in those in Christ Jesus. And so we're not experiencing the joy of our salvation because the enemy is such lying to our ears that it's being, it's polluting our belief in Christ. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, God. Help me see what I need to see and hear what I need to hear. Lord, cast away all these things. David responds, then I will teach transgressors your ways and where sinners will return to you. See, verses 13 and 15, now he's shifting again. Right? He was focusing a lot about himself and the needing of restoration and mercy and repentance. But now he's shifting here and he's saying, okay, Lord, when you do this in me, right? He's not saying, if you will do it. He knows who he is and his, his, his renewal and his thinking is being changed as he's understanding the goodness of God. So he says, Lord, when you do these things, then I will teach. Transgressioners, your ways and sinners will return to you. The result of his mercy is that we will become ambassadors of Christ. When we receive the goodness of Jesus, in response, it would be something that we share with the world. In response of a restored person wants to shout it out to the nations. When we know that the Lord has saved us from, and we know that all the junk that's been in our our lives, our natural response is that we want to tell the world about it. I remember when I was growing up, and I came to Christ early, early, early when I was about 14 years old. I I came to Christ in this church. Actually, uh, a spiritual mom is right over there, Jan Shedd. She brought me to the Lord um, back when I was 14 years old. And I remember when I came to Christ, I wanted to tell the whole world about Jesus. I used to get chased from school because I would just like, they were like, dude, shut up. And I wasn't going to shut up because I wanted the world to know that I was a sinner who was made clean by God. And I wanted the world to know. And so when David says that I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you, I feel that in my bones. I know what it is to say, Lord, if I'm new and I have a new heart, I want the world to know that. Verse 14, deliver me from the blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation. I love when he uses that, O God of my salvation, because David's understanding that there is no salvation apart from anyone but his king. Oh, God, of my salvation, my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Oh, Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Oh, man, when God restores a broken heart, when God restores, man, I was blind, and now I see. There is this joyful knowing of the restoration that only God can do. Verse 16, he says, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I will give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. The word here, broken spirit, contrite, is defined by feeling or expressing remorse. Affected by guilt. See, that's greater than any offerings that you can give the Lord. Because we are, we can be people, and I know I'm guilty of this, that I will say, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to work harder, Lord. If I failed you today, tonight, I'm going to do everything in my place to not fail you. So I'm going to do everything in my power to do it. And ultimately, we fail again and again and again. And we think that these things that we offer the Lord, okay, Lord, I'm not going to use my phone as much. Here, take that as an offering. And we do the same thing with the iPad. So we find ourselves in a position where we realize that God will not be pleased with this. But what God is pleased with is when we approach the throne with the spirit that is saying, Lord... I need you. Lord, please forgive me because I have nowhere to run. Will you make me clean? And the Bible tells us that, oh, God, you will not despise a heart like this one that seeks mercy, grace, and renewal. God says, come to me, daughter. Come to me, son, and I will make you new. I will make you whiter than snow. No longer do you need to hide or run. No longer do you need to work harder. He knows the weight of that. Come to me, all who carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Verse 18, do good to Zion and your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. When we do these things, when God delivers us, And we give him right sacrifices, we give him our broken hearts. See, God cares about you, but he also cares about the church in a whole. And David here is showing us the importance of restoration, not just in us, but overall the body of Christ. Believe it or not, church, how we sin also affects the body life. How we live outside of these walls also affect how we walk in here too. God wants to restore us, but he wants to restore us within a greater body, right? He has an individual way to restore us, but then he wants us to come in into the church and experience wholeness with God's people, his family that he has saved and restored, and now we are a community together. And when we're both, when we're all together looking for Christ and looking to walk in a Way it uh, pleases him, he says, do good as Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem, and then you will delight in right sacrifices. When we ask God to grow, we ask God to grow others in their spiritual health, and embrace the love and the mercies of God, and this will be a reflection to the Christian, to one another. Again, David wants us to see how restoration and mercy is important, not just for our own spiritual health, but the overall spiritual health. I love that he says, build up the walls of Jerusalem. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. See, the reality is, Jesus... Jesus, Jesus will build up the walls of Jerusalem. Jesus is building that new place for us right now. Our new Jerusalem awaits. See, Jesus is the greater King that will never fail you. Remember, I told you I was going to go back to how God deals with our heart. How does God create us a new heart? We set us the new covenant because Jesus made it so. It is because of the blood of Christ that was spilled on Calvary that we have a way for man and God to make be made new. God gives us a new heart because Christ made it possible for us to receive a new heart. Christ made it possible that we can have the advocate, the Holy Spirit in our lives that will never leave us So that we can live in such a way that is pleasing to him. Again, I'll go back to Ezekiel 36. He says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. See, Jesus makes it possible for us to know and trust him. Jesus makes it possible for us to recognize our own sin. He gives us a heart of flesh that is able to know that we need him. Our eternal King Jesus makes it possible by his death and his resurrection. Verse 27 in Ezekiel, he says, And I will put my spirit within you. He says about three times, he wants us to know in Ezekiel that The spirit of God is in us when we are followers of Christ. And he says, lastly, and he will cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. We talk about verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation in Psalms 51. It says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. He's talking about verse 27 in Ezekiel. And I will put a spirit with you which it calls you to walk in my statues. What do we do with Psalm 51? What do we do with this, church? I think I go back to, I think I go back to Romans 12. And I'll just quickly go, you don't have to go there. Romans 12, as as we're ending Psalm 51 and we're asking the questions, what now, Lord? What now? We've talked a lot about forgiveness. We've talked a lot about mercy and God's goodness, repentance. But now what, Lord? How do how do I take Psalm 51 and walk in a way that is is walking in the newness that you have given me? Paul says in Romans 12, I appeal to you therefore, brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship how do we how do we live a life it is based on Psalm 51 it's by the mercies of God and love Paul says that because without the mercies of God, without the goodness of God we can't please God okay I want us to make us understand like we cannot please God without the mercies of God and knowing who we are and and knowing what he's done for us but present your bodies as a living as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God. Some of us this morning, we need to know how are we living in such a way that our hope is in Christ some of us are stuck in sin and we're using our bodies and we're presenting them for things that God hates we've seen in second Samuel that there is consequences for sin I don't want us to be mistaken that God is good and is gracious, yes. But there are consequences to sin. That's why I plead with you, brothers and sisters, and myself. How do I, my spiritual worship, how do I live in such a way that Psalm 51 is real in my own life? Again, maybe this morning, Your heart needs to be restored. Your joy needs to be restored. So I plead with you, come to the king that can restore your soul. Maybe this morning, you're not a believer. You're not a Christian. So you're you're hearing this and you're like, oh man, this this, this seems like there's something that I can get to. I want to remind you that 1 John chapter 1, 9 says... 1 uh, uh, John chapter 1.9, if you confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This morning, if you're not a believer in Christ, I plead with you, know him, the one who can restore and make you clean. Pull one of the elders aside. We would love to talk to you about Jesus and how you can have the joy of the salvation of Christ like David speaks of. David a man of many many sins he's also known as a man of a man after God's own heart God was able to restore him you are able to be restored let's pray Father I thank you for this time I thank you for your word I thank you that in you we have all that we need Father I pray that you would just Help us walk in light of who you are. Trust in your mercy and your forgiveness. God, I pray (laughs) that... Spirit, I pray that you would... uh, If there is any lies that we are listening to, especially if we know you, Jesus, I pray that we would come to the throne, repent and receive the mercies of, of of your grace, Jesus. That we can walk out of these doors rejoicing, and letting the world see what it means to be free. Free in Christ. And I pray that those who not, might not know you here, I pray that there would be, um, you would press on them, Spirit, the need to re- repent and believe. Father, I pray for those of us here who are stuck in sin. Pray that, Lord, you will show us what does it mean to have a, a spiritual worship one that is presenting our bodies for sacrifice, a sacrifice, Lord, that you are pleased with. Lord, I ask that you would just create in us a new heart and keep restoring us day in and day out. Make us your people as we walk out of these doors. May the neighbors see the joy that we have in you. We ask all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.